Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. On September the 3rd, 2006, we hosted our first worship service at Destiny Community Church. 101 people gathered in attendance. That was the original building where we started. It later will become our student center. Such high hopes and dreams that day, 101 in attendance, and then I grew it to about 65. (laughs) We had probably 30, 35 people that were visiting from other churches that I had been on staff at that came to help us launch that day, and it it was a great day. It was a great day, and that Sunday I preached a message entitled, It's My Destiny. The first sermon that I preached at this church was called, It's My Destiny. And I believe that that message that day set the tone for a journey that that is still being traveled. I declared things by faith that day. I went went this week and and I, I pulled the video. And Patrick, you were running the video camera that day. I'll never forget. It was before you knew how to play drums or percussion or anything else. And, uh... I went and watched the service. Once again, I want to say um, thank you for your graciousness for those of you that have been around here for a while because um, if you don't think I'm a a good preacher now, you should have heard me back then. (laughs) God works. But I declared things by faith on that day, clinging to a hope and a prayer that God will fulfill the dream that he had placed in my heart. I walked into that first service with confidence, not in me, but, but in the God that called me. If I've ever been sure of something in my life, I was certain that God had called me to plant a church in Newberry, Florida. There was no doubt whatsoever. There was absolutely no doubt that God had called us here. I'm I'm not going to go through the series of events on how God confirmed all of that. If you know our story, you know that. You know the fleeces that were laid out and how God answered all of that. But it was the greatest step that I have ever taken, the greatest step of faith that I have ever taken in my life. And and there was such a peace. I can't explain it. There was such a peace. There was a reassurance. And church, I had confidence in God And this year, the enemy has tried to silence that confidence. One prophet said, he said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And this year I felt the wet blankets and the extinguisher trying to put out the flames of what God has called me to do. But now more than ever, I have learned not to rely on my own abilities, but to be confident in him who called me. Philippians 1 and 6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who begun good work, who, 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 he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That what he started in you, that what he began, 
that he will not abandon it along the way, that he will see it through to completion. Somebody in the room right now that's holding on with, with, by, by, by just a thread, that's it. You're, you're, you're barely holding on to that dream. You need to understand that if he began that good work in you, he's going to see it to completion. You can rest assured in that. And, and if, if nothing else, you, if you don't get anything else out of this series, I want you to get, get that for you personally. As I said, I believe God is speaking to us corporately also, but, but, but God wants to do something in your life as a dreamer. He, he wants to reawaken some of those dreams that, that, that you've allowed the enemy to just extinguish, to put aside, to be forgotten almost. Because God has called us to be dreamers. God has called us to be visionaries. God has called us to live life in such a way that we step out in faith and we do things that normal human beings would not dare do simply because we have the faith that our God has called us and that he is going to see it through to completion. God has given us the ability to hope. God has given us the ability to anticipate, to pursue, to chase after dreams. Why? Because it's through the process of dreaming that we are forced to live by faith and not by sight. When you have a true God-given dream in your life, it will cause you to act by faith. It will cause you not to look at the surrounding circumstances, and it will cause you to believe more than you've ever believed in your life. And, and, and we never trust him more than when we are living by faith when we're dreaming. So God gives us dreams. Numbers 12 and 6, it says, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. In Job chapter 33, verses 14 and 15, it says, For God speaks again and again through people. Though people do not recognize it, he speaks in dreams. And so God speaks in dreams. And maybe if you are having a hard time hearing God right now, maybe it's because you've allowed the enemy to, to make you stop dreaming. Maybe you've allowed him to rip the dream out of your life. And, and, and I believe that God wants to reignite that today. I believe that by the end of this message today and, 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 and by the end of this service that, that God is going to, to help you dream again. And there's no greater example of a God-ordained dreamer than Joseph. Not Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, although he had his fair share of dreams. He, God sent him a dream and, uh, and, and concerning the birth and, and even the, the safety of Jesus Christ, the Son of God that, that Joseph would have, have the responsibility with Mary of raising. So he dreamed, but that's not the Joseph I want to talk about. I'm not talking about Joseph of Arimathea. You, you remember him? He's the one that allowed Jesus to borrow the tomb for a weekend. It was just a, you know Airbnb getaway. Or air BRB, be right back, right? So it, it was just for a weekend. That was it, and he, and he could have his tomb back. But that's not the one I'm talking about. In this series, I'll be, I'll be speaking about Joseph, who is the 11th son of Jacob and firstborn of Rachel. And I'm going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 37 today. Genesis chapter 37. And for some of you that, that, that don't know this, and, and I've intentionally stayed away from, from this particular passage of Scripture for a while, because this is my favorite Bible story. Since I was a kid, this is my favorite Bible story. I, I remember when I, was a, when I was a child going to children's church, them putting a, a coat of many colors on me 
and I got to, to role play and be Joseph. And it's stuck with me for years. And, and if I've ever felt like my life is parallel with someone, not maybe to the extent that the troubles that he had, but I have felt along the way that, that I could certainly relate to him. So I've stayed away from this for a while in anticipating that, that, that God would once again use it for us as a church. And for you to understand what we are about to read, I need to give you just a little bit of history about Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. And if you know Jacob, Jacob at, at one time in his life, he, he was a, a deceiver. He deceived his brother and stole his birthright and blessing and went in exile and running for his life, hiding from his brother for many years. And, and he goes to work for, for Laban. And, and the Bible says that he, he saw Rachel, he was in love with Rachel, and he agreed to work seven years for her hand in marriage. Laban said, I'll give you my daughter in marriage if you'll work seven years. And, and he does. He's presented with his bride that night and um, after the wedding, and he lifts the veil from her head, he realizes it's not Rachel, it's, it's Leah, the cross-eyed sister. And, well, she had weak eyes is what it said. So, bless her heart. How would you like to go through the rest of history people wondering what your eyes look like, you know? It's, it's a sad, sad story. And it, it's not the one that, that Jacob loved. But now he was bound to her. He was. Back then, I guess God was okay back then with with. You're taking more than one wife because so many of them did. And he agrees to work seven more years for Rachel, his true love. And he does, and Laban follows through, and now he has two wives and double the trouble. And that's the one thing that we can realize from Scripture. I'm so glad that these traditions have changed because anytime you start seeing multiple wives, it's always, there, there's trouble. There's trouble. Women don't like to share their men. <laughs> it's always trouble. And, and they had 12 sons, and, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but he had, he had sons with, with Leah and her servant. It turned into this big competition on who could have the most kids and all this. And so he had, he had sons with Leah and her her servant, and with Rachel and her servant. And we get to, to Genesis chapter 37 after, after Rachel died, giving birth to her second son for Jacob. And in, in verse 1 it says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. It says these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, these are the, the servants of Rachel and Leah, Bilhah and Zilpah. These are the, the sons of Leah and Rachel's handmaids that he's out in the field with. And it says, and, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. So Joseph is a tattletale. He, he runs to his dad and he gives them a bad report. We don't know what the report was. We don't know what they were doing wrong, but he, he tells on his, on his brothers. 
Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. And, and I don't think you have to read between the lines too much to realize why he loved him so much. It's because he was the son of his first love, his real love, Rachel. Verse 4 says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peace, peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. <laughs> There's a problem right there. If you are tattletelling on your brothers and they don't like you very much, you don't go and tell them dreams like this. This is, this is, this is a mistake. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And, and this is typical immaturity. He's 17 years old. Seven, I, I apologize to all the 17-year-olds in the room, okay? But, but this is what 17-year-olds do. We like to get under the skin of our, of our siblings, and, and he tells them this dream. And, and, and church, I think if there's anything we can learn from this, this part of the scripture right here is that not everybody needs to be privy to your dream. Not everybody needs to know what God has placed on your heart and the promises that God has made to you. Not everybody can handle it. Not everybody is going to support it. I know because when we were getting ready to plant this church and we were looking for somewhere to, 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 to rent, a building to rent, and, and I, I had that, that fleece that I laid out about, God, I need a, a place rent-free for six months. If, if you want us to plant this church, it, it has to be rent-free for six months. I had colleagues in ministry look at me and say, Rocky, don't tie the hands of God. What if he gives you a really good deal? And he did in Alachua. He gave us a really good deal on the square footage that we were looking at. But it wasn't where God wanted us. And laying that fleece out and allowing God to answer that fleece. And, and, and I just had this conversation again this week. It seems like this topic keeps coming up over and over and over. So many people are interested in this. And, and it's, it's, it's really old news to me, but I don't mind sharing it because I've lived my adult life by laying fleeces out. And, and if, if you're going to lay the fleece out, you've got to be brave enough to walk it out. So, because God will answer your fleece. He doesn't want you in the dark. God wants you to know what he, he, he knows. And so God will reveal it to you. But when God reveals it, then you've got to be brave enough to walk it out. If you're brave enough to ask, you've got to be brave enough to walk it out. And so I, I quickly found out not everybody needs to be privy to the dream that God has given me of planting this church because not everybody can handle it. Not everybody's going to be supportive over it. And eventually Joseph will figure this out in his own life. But right now he's speaking through immaturity. And, and, and I can tell you this, that even as, a, and as, a, as an adult Christian, there's moments when I've said things out of spiritual immaturity and you eventually, you grow into that and you learn to not say childish things. Verse nine says, then he dreamed another dream. Surely he's learned by now, right? Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars. He just happens to have 
a father, a mother, and 11 siblings. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who he's talking about his, uh, here. And, and he says, uh, verse 10 says, but when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Just hold on to that little phrase right there because later in this series, we'll come back and talk about that. His father kept the matter in mind. Everybody in this room has a dream and you have a destiny. It might feel like the dream has been lost. It might feel like it's been forgotten. You may think that God forgot about it. But I can assure you that everybody in this room has a dream and everybody in this room has a destiny. You have a desired outcome, a dream for your life. But what's more important is that God has a destiny for your life. God has a desired outcome for your life. God has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you that hope and a future that he promised you. God has a destiny for you. And, and God's plans will always exceed your ability to dream. Always. God's plans will always exceed your ability to dream. Think about Joseph's dreams. Joseph was dreaming and and, and I'm not saying that God didn't put something in his heart, but the way that he was reading this was, one day I am going to rule over my father, my mother, and my 11 brothers. All the dreams that he's dreaming, it points to that. I am going to rule over my family. That is what he sees. This is the dream that he has in his heart. But God's plans will always exceed your ability to dream because what God wants to do in his life, as you're going to see, is God wants to put him in such a place of power, in such a place of position, that he is going to save an entire region of the world from drought and famine. That's the plans that God, that's the destiny that God has for him. And God's destiny for your life will always exceed your ability to dream. Now let me speak to us corporately right now. As a church, we've only scratched the surface of what God wants to do in and through us. It feels like this past year has just been survival. We've been in survival mode. First, not knowing when and we could meet and, and, and for a season where we could meet. We got kicked out of the middle school. Not because we were bad, you know, renters or tenants. It, that wasn't the reason why. It's because of COVID. When they made the call and, and that's why we knew everything was about to shut down. We knew everything was about to happen. We were ahead of, 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 of all the news outlets on all that because the school board called us and said, you're not going back until the students come back. And they didn't come back. And so we were homeless. You didn't know it, but we were a homeless church. And, and, and thank God that after 10 weeks of, of a stay-at-home order, when it was time for us to gather back together, by his grand provision, God opened the doors to this facility and we were able to come into our home. We look at it sometimes and we just scratch our heads going, God, how did you know this? How did you... It's, it's just miraculous. But church, this is just a building. That's, it, don't get me wrong. I thank God that we don't have to set up and tear down. Larry, where you at? 
I thank God we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. Amen, brother? Everybody in the room should amen for him. But this is just a tool. That's all it is. It is just a tool for ministry. And and, and I'm afraid sometimes we see this as as this was the dream. We made it here. And and, and, and we finally, we've arrived. We haven't arrived. We just have what many other churches, hundreds, thousands of churches, they already have this. Now we have this. But I'm declaring to you, church, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. What God is going to do in and through this church, should the Lord tarry, should he not come back for his church anytime soon, what God is going to do in and through this church is going to be miraculous. It is going to blow our minds and it will not stop with us. Listen, when this old preacher right here is dead and gone, should Christ not come and return for his church during this time, what our children will do, what their children will do, God is going to do great and miraculous things. What he birthed on September the 3rd, 2006 has only just begun. What, what if you could know that you're walking in your destiny? Because I know what that feels like. Because that's, that's what I felt on that day in 2006. If there's ever a moment in my lifetime that, that I know that I was walking in his destiny for me, it was that day. I'm not telling you that after that day that I didn't have you know, some scratch my head moments and some questions along the way and even some fear that crept in every once in a while. I, I, I can tell you that those moments were very real also. But on that day, I had complete and total confidence in him and I knew that I was walking in my destiny. What if you could know that you're walking in your destiny? That no matter how tough it gets, no matter how dry the drought is, no matter how deep the hole is, you are right where God wants you. And you have no doubt about that. And and when you know that, it makes going to that job easier. When you know God has you there. When you know you're walking in your destiny, it, it, it makes the financial struggles bearable. When you know that you're walking in your destiny, it makes the marriage easier to stay in because you know that what God has joined together No man can separate, and you stay in that marriage. And for almost 14 years, we dreamed of a new ministry center. We dreamed of a place to call home. We dreamed of a place where we could worship, and we could fellowship, and we could disciple. We, We dreamed of a place where we could belong. And somewhere along the way, that dream began to expand. Joel 2 and 28, in your Old Testament, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. You get over to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, and and that is echoed in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. On September the 3rd, 2006, I was a young man. I was 31 years old. 
31 years old. And God gave me visions. I was a young man. That's what, that's what the promise is, right? Visions. The young man will see visions. And as a young man, God was giving me visions, just glimpses of what would come. Because in my immaturity, I couldn't handle the big picture. Because when you're immature in Christ, there's still a lot of pride that's involved. I don't know why they did this. I, I do know why. But the denomination saw what they would, would refer to as success. You had 101 people at your first service. And they put me as a facilitator, and I'm not going to name the program because it's still going today and there's many churches being blessed by it. And I'll, I'll just describe it to you like this. It guaranteed the teachings, it guaranteed that your church could double in 24 months. And they trained me and put me as a facilitator. And I started traveling and meeting with groups of pastors. And I was 31 years old. And I was in my first role as a lead pastor. And man, when you start standing before pastors that are, are twice your age and, and you start telling them, this is how you grow a church, this is how you will double your church in two years' time, this is how you do it, and, and, and you follow all of the curriculum and you, you just you lay it out there, you, you start becoming a little proud of yourself. There was a national publication by the denomination that, that, that listed me as one of the top young uh, top 40 young influential pastors. They did a little write-up on each one of us. And pride starts, starts setting, settling upon you. And, and so what you start doing is you start telling everybody your dreams. Well, I thought I was telling everybody my dreams, but what God was giving me was visions. Just little glimpses because God knew I couldn't handle the big picture. God knew that I wasn't ready for that. At 31 years old, if you would have told me that we're going to go and build a $3.5 million facility, I would have ran the other direction. It's, it's crazy. And pride, you've got, to, you, you've got to allow God, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you through that. Finally, I figured out I, I wasn't doing half the stuff in their program. There's a little bit of arrogance with that, too. They, they said, if, if you do everything by the book, we'll guarantee your money back. That's what they were telling these pastors. And I just said, you know what? This isn't for me. I, I've got I've to do something else. But as a young man, God was giving me glimpses of what would become. At first, we thought that we would just restore that old student center. That we would... Add a, a four-year-old to it, and, and I even had a, a pastor friend that's also a, a general contractor come, and, and he did some drawings for us, and, and I thought, well, we'll raise money. Once we're, we're big enough, we'll raise some money, and we'll just renovate that building, and, and quickly I realized we would not have enough parking in that building, and so a year later, we started looking for land. Pastor Andrew, you'll remember, we tried to put a contract on 12 acres closer into town, and I remember one day, me, you, and your father even walked around that property and looked around, and we just thought, that was it. That's, 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 
going to be a great location for us. And, and, and we just thought, this, 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 is, this is where God has us. And, and then it wouldn't appraise for what they were asking, and they wouldn't come off the price. And we were so disappointed with it. Thank God, because eventually we purchased 20 acres right here on this, this piece of property. Because 12 acres would have never held what God wanted to do with our church. Then we started raising money. Listen, on September 3rd, 2006, if you'd have told me standing before that group of people, you need to raise $500,000 before you ever break ground. I was trying to raise $500 just to buy a few more chairs. We started raising that money before we even considered breaking ground. Then when we raised that 500000 we designed and built this facility. And now we've designed a student center that will sit right behind this building here. And it's, it's out for bid right now. And soon you'll be making some decisions on that. I know you keep hearing that, but it, it is. It's coming. It's coming. Nobody wants it more than I do. If you tune into my Wednesday night teachings, you understand the frustration. My computer is still intact. I did not throw it through the wall. <laughs> All along the way, God has given us pieces to his plan for this church, not all at once, but visions. And, and visions, the best way I can describe these to you, it, it's like a still frame from a movie. Um, imagine, if you will, Spider-Man. You just have a picture of Spider-Man just, just soaring between buildings. But when that still frame becomes part of, of the whole scene, then you see the action happening and that is the dream when you begin to see the whole thing. God just gave us glimpses, just, just still frames of, of what, what, what we could handle. But, but, but when you start dreaming dreams, when you start having real dreams, God shows you the entire scene. He shows you the action. He shows you all of the things that you never even thought were possible. And now at 46 years old, I know I don't look it, but at 46 years old, God starts giving this old man the dream and young men see visions and old men dream dreams and the dream is now beginning to expand the, the enemy would love to convince us to become like many churches and become content with where we're at we deserve it right 11 and a half years of being portable who doesn't deserve a break after that and so many churches once they reach this 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 place where they have a facility they become anchored down, and, and it's just, you know what? We've made it. We've arrived. We finally have what we were dreaming for. And as I said, if any church ever deserved it, it's you. It's us. You've been so faithful for so many years. But don't miss God's timing with all of this. As the construction was coming to an end and the enemy unleashed a pandemic, it was almost like God said, well, okay, I'll see your pandemic and I'll raise you 10 weeks of rest, Destiny Community Church. And we all got to stay home. Even I stayed home on Sundays. We pre-recorded everything. It's the first time ever in my lifetime I ever spent Easter at home. 
And it was great. Because on Easter, you're talking about resurrection and all that stuff. Well, we had Pastor Andrew, we, we pre-recorded him too at, at a sunrise service. But he was not out here. I sat at home around our fire pit. And we, we had communion together around our fire pit as we watched Andrew on my laptop. Then Caleb went back to bed. And I connected my phone to his Beats pill in his room. It's Resurrection Sunday, right? If he's going back to bed, I'm playing Thriller. <laughs> and I did. It's like God looked at us and said, you know what? I'll give you your little season of rest. The church, as we have seen through Buy a Tree Change a Life, which was that, 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 that shot of adrenaline that we needed to begin serving our community once again. As we saw with the, with the marriage conference and the lives that were changed and the marriages that were restored in this room and how now we can, we can host big events. We know how to do it. It was a great trial run for us. And, and let me say to our staff and our volunteers that helped, you did a tremendous job. Kudos to you. Tremendous. And now we move into that next phase of our destiny. And God says, I am going to use this church. I'm going to use this building. But more than that, I'm going to use these people. And now we get to start serving our community bigger and better than we ever have in the past. You know, for some reason, though, a, a church like ours, the hardest season for us, the hardest season in the history of our church is when we weren't doing anything. The hardest season for us as a church was when we couldn't do anything. I've never seen more attacks. I've, I've never been under attack more than, than, than during that season of, of, of rest, if you will. Why? It's because during those seasons, we're too focused on the fight than we are the dream. And God wants us to reignite that dream because life is harder when you focus on the fight and you don't focus on your faith. Well, I'm here, church, to declare that today we start dreaming again. Corporately and individually, we start dreaming again. It's time that we start declaring our destiny. See, some of you don't even realize you can prophesy over your life. And I'm not talking about anything weird and wacky and all that kind of stuff. But you need to start declaring God's destiny over your life. You need to start proclaiming it with your mouth on what God wants to do with your family and through your family and through your life. And, and the enemy has you scared to death to say some of those things. I know what that feels like. I do. Because there was this one moment when, when Mandy and I were going to pour it all into a, a parenting series. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'm a little scared to do this. Our kids are still in high school. And, and as soon as we start laying out some of these principles, you know the enemy's going to attack. And they still have two good years to get in a lot of trouble. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you declare it by, you declare the destiny of your kids. You start preaching who they are and what God wants to do in their life. And we did that series and we still hand that series out. And we're going to do that series again. Now that we have the video equipment, we're going to do it so that now we have a, a, a video to give out to everyone. It's just, they're not going to be little teenagers anymore. It's going to be interesting, but we'll, we'll see where that takes us. 
I'm all over the place. I know I am. It's time that we start declaring our destinies. And just like the enemy wants to prohibit us from dreaming corporately, he wants to hinder your ability to dream individually. Because if he can convince you that your circumstances and and your life is hopeless, then, then Satan has won the battle. And that's what he's done with some of you. He's convinced you that your life is hopeless, that your marriage is worthless, that your career is going down the drain. He has convinced you of all of that. And, and, and for that person that you're considering taking your life because it's too bad, You're one dream away from realizing the potential that God can do with your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you need to square your shoulders back. And you need to declare, my career will prosper. It's my destiny. For some of you, you need, you, you need to, to look the enemy dead in the eyes and you need to say, my children will thrive. Even if they're prodigals, even if they've, they've walked away, my children will thrive. It's our destiny. You need to declare it. My, my marriage will be whole. It's my destiny. And this church will dream again because it's our destiny. It is. The older I get, the more that God reveals to me. And I'm beginning to see that some of the great things that God is is doing through our church, that our latter harvest is going to be greater than our, our former. Our latter harvest will be greater than our former. And so I'm declaring to you right now, church, if that's the promise that we have from the Holy Spirit, if that's a destiny that God has for Destiny Community Church, if our latter harvest will be greater than our former, then me as a pastor... We as a staff and as leaders of this congregation, then I'm letting you know we will do a better job to disciple that harvest. I'm not interested in just making new Christians. I'm interested in making better Christians. Christians that will walk by faith and not by sight. That they're not afraid to declare their destiny in Christ Jesus. Lord, awaken the dreamer in this room. Awaken the dreamer. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.